That was a retweet. That was a, an opinion of somebody, and that was a retweet. Part. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel I feel so powerful. I'll walk into that audience. I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and them. Everybody, I'll just give you a big fat kiss. Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, you're you're nice and loud. I can hear okay, you. Perfect. How you doing? <clears throat> doing good. How's the week good. been? Hmm, good. We're sort of moving into fall here on the farm, which is nice. Yeah, I would say that we were firmly inside fall, uh, except for Thursday was 85 degrees. Yeah, that's what your brother said. <laughs> he said it was like 80 and then all of a sudden like a, like rain came through and it got down to the 40s or something like that. Well, so it's it's weird. There was a rain and then it was 85 and then there was oh. another rain and then it was 40. Okay, I didn't quite get the I didn't quite get the entire picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so what's it like now? It's in the mid 40s right now. Uh, no, that's good. That's the sweater weather you're looking for. I'm telling you, I'm wearing my coziest one right now. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I went for a. Uh, I went for my first post summer long run with Buttercup yesterday morning, which is great. You know, it's kind of cool out, and because we're we're running and there's nobody else around, we can it, we're allowed to go out without a mask on. So it was nice to be out off the farm without a mask, you know, and we, I was kind of like waddling. I don't really run very fast, but it was good for Buttercup. She was completely exhausted. She spent the entire day just like, kind of like lounging around waiting for somebody to give her a massage. Oh, that's good. nice. Yeah. yeah I was going to say, so not, not cold enough that it like running makes you want to cough. No, no, no. That's a sweet no, spot then. Yeah. It's probably in the low fifties or mid fifties, well, low fifties yesterday morning. It was kind of drizzly. Um, mm-hmm. so maybe it wasn't even that cold. It just, it was good for, it was really good for running, you know? So, um, so it, you know, it's the first run. So it's kind of slow and a little achy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it, this is the time of the year that Buttercup and I get in some good runs. So it's good. It was good. It was good. Do some chores yesterday and I don't know, just farted around. It's nice, man. It really seems like from at least my experience there, it really seems like it's not that different. Like the weather there is not that different from here. Um, other than, you know, no tornadoes and probably get a little bit of like warmth from the, the or the sea right there. Yeah, it's, I think you're right. I mean, we get a couple of snows of maybe an inch or two, something like that. Every once in a while, a big, big snow. But most of the time, it's just, you know, it comes and then by the next day, it's kind of melted or sloppy or whatever. I think that's right. And it gets a little muggy. I think you guys get a little more humidity in the summertime, but generally speaking, I'd say it's pretty darn close. 
Yeah, that that part reminds me of Seattle because they had it. Just makes it a little more mild. Mm-hmm. Being near <clears> the water, <throat> you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I spent some time yesterday trying to think about our trying to research our setup for recording. You know, to try mm-hmm. to get like better quality sound since the content isn't going to change much. <laughs> to try yeah. to make up for it with the quality. <laughs> So um, I think I learned some things, but I don't know that I have a particularly great strategy. I mean, the best quality deals have directly, like I'd be directly recording on my computer, you're directly recording on your computer, and then we we pull them together and sync them up, and that way you mm-hmm. don't use you don't use any of the internet basically to handle the the sound, except for us hearing each other while we're talking. And then I was working on your, you know, the idea of having a soundboard. All that kind of stuff. I mean, sound effects or whatever. Yeah, Audio. yeah. That's I think a little harder to do that way. Um, so let can we pause this really quick? Billy just walked out, and uh, I'm going to see if there's a way that we can figure this out so that he's got I'm a mic. Just let, yeah, let's just let it run, and we'll we'll cut this part out. Okay. Cool. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to clap three times so I can find this in the. Uh, on the audio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. So be quiet. Here we go. Okay. Good luck finding that one. Yeah, it look <laughs> any different than anything else? Yeah, it looks exactly the same. Anyway, I'll okay. be right back. Okay. Okay. We're back. Hi. We're back better than ever. <laughs> we have Billy with us. Hey, how's it going? How you doing, Boo? Doing good. Good. How are you guys? Pretty good. You know. We talked about the weather. We got all filled in. That's as far as we got. Up to date. He saw that you were maybe around and interested. Absolutely. All right. So I'm just going to go over a couple of topics, and then we're going to spend some time with that. Mm, That tastes a little gamey. The game show, the Sunday game show portion of the our time together, okay? Very nice, very nice. All right. So this week we had the second and final presidential <laughs> presidential debate. The debate wasn't particularly presidential, but did you guys see it? Did you hear about it? Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, did this you? one we actually watched. <clears throat> Thoughts? It was uh, surprisingly um, pretty tame, I would say. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to describe it. Um, the I don't know if it was the muting or if it was some sort of you know they were both like maybe we should try to be more you know I don't know more serious seeming. Um, yeah, but there the was definitely reader. less less weird like kind of it seemed less like a, a like a classroom debate. <laughs> the moderator seemed definitely more commanding. I agree with that. I think she was she was like not messing around, and I think I think that plus the muting during the responses probably helped. Although she, I thought she was really good, she was doing some fact checking in real time, and she had that stern look. I mean, she looked like she wasn't monkeying around at all. Yeah, yeah. Chris Wallace was just uh, you know chuckling a little too much. Yeah, she looked very serious. She did a good job. I thought she did a good job. I guess Trump thought she did a good job. He like gave her like, some props in the during the debate. Yeah, I think they came off pretty good to their respective followers. Like, I think uh, you could 
kind of say each of them did a good job in that debate. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. It seems like they did what they had to do to kind of show their base what they wanted to see that time. Um, so Trump seemed acting a little more serious. Biden trying to be a little more substantive, I would say. Uh, I don't know how, you know, I mean, we can argue about how successful he was, but uh, I, I would say that they both did their job pretty well for their base that time. Boo, what do you think? I think that's right. Um, you know, I, I don't know how many people are going to be swayed by these. Obviously, like, you know, this is kind of late in the game. And uh, who knows how many undecided people are really tuning in now. But, um, you know, I, I think it was a lot less of a circus for sure. Um, but, I, you know, I do think that... Uh, yeah, I, they they both kind of said what they wanted to say, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was on this uh, I was on this website today called Facebook. Maybe you've, maybe I don't you probably haven't heard of it. Long time. Uh, <laughs> I see. I go on there and I try to I try to correct all the sloppy thinking that I find. It's very frustrating. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a fool there, anyway. my man. Yes, some guy, not some guy, a person that I used to work with was saying how Trump had completely like, you know, dominated. He he clearly won the debate and then other right. people were, you know. And so I just said it's like it's like a Rorschach test. I mean, I think. Yeah. I think if you like Trump, Trump did what Trump needed to do. And I think if you like Ber uh, Bernie, if you like you know, Joe, then Joe did what he had to do. I think. Um, let's see how did, I was just listening to Ben Shapiro and he said, uh, he said that he, his take was that Trump reassured re any Republicans that were nervous about voting for him, you know, that he could, he could, you know, hold it together. I don't, for, yeah. I don't know, for an hour, maybe he could hold it together. I, I would don't know. say that's right. He, the very serious, it was like, you know, he wasn't, uh, kind of the first debate, he was really just kind of hounding, Joe mm -hmm. and like you know really trying to dominate and control the debate through just force like that um and this did kind of I, I agree with that this probably is very kind of reassuring for more traditional I guess uh, Republican voters yeah I mean it was the same it, a lot of it was the same malarkey but as 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 um, Joe would call it malarkey I think is what he called it uh but he did the delivery was much more grown up. I mean, it was almost calming to see him, you know, kind exactly. of, you know. So I think mission accomplished on Yeah, on he had front. a very like a reasoned tone there, which is uh something that you don't see too much of from Trump. Um no. so yeah, I think that's probably very effective. I mean, everybody already no one's gonna forget the other half where, you know, he's brash and you know whatever uh but yeah i mean i think um this very kind of um sparse campaigning has has worked it's in its uh biden's favor as well he seems like a lot more able to kind of carry through a debate than he was in the primaries or when he was traveling around more you could see that it really took a toll on his speech and you know he seemed very tired all the time and um 
you know, this frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Through these, these debates, he's really surprised me. I remember months ago, you know, it, during the primary, really, really worrying about the debates and, you know, he's had plenty of rest, plenty of time to prepare. So, you know, at least on that front, he did yeah, better you know, than I expected. Yeah. I don't really know much about stuttering, but apparently he's, you know, he's battled or has overcome pretty, sub, pretty substantial, you know, you think it's something that for flare up more like later in life too, like, you know, as you get older? Uh, I don't know. I mean, usually as you get older, you, you develop these mechanisms to sort of work your way around things. So my memory's not as good, but you, you know, so you, you use lists or something like that and you're, you're much more, um, you know, serious about using them. So usually people, as they get older, develop these strategies that they can sort of get past. But I think Mm -hmm. what little I know about stuttering is that when you get, you know, when you're under stress, uh, you know, the, the, the thoughts are just coming faster than that your tongue can move. And there've been times now that I know this about him, that it seems much more clear that that's a possibility, you know, when he's stumbling over words or, or trying to get something out and he looks like he's, you know, kind of lost. It, it yeah. may not be that he's lost yeah. at all, but anyway, he, he, he does seem to do, he did seem to do pretty well. Yeah. It's interesting because that knowing about the stutter, I think is it kind of gives you some, cause I would say there's probably some things that are not based on the stutter. Uh, like, you know, I, th- I think he probably has some trouble remembering names sometimes. We noticed yeah. uh, that he avoided, he sort of referred to people like by That's right. position a couple times in the debate. <laughs> uh, because, it, you know, just like you're avoiding looking stupid in the moment, even if it's just, oh, I, I blanked on the guy's name for a second. Which, <laughs> you know. Your, gr- your grandfather does this. You know, <laughs> he, he remembers people's <laughs> first names and then their last name is their job. So it's Jennifer Realtor. That's really, that's what he calls her. I said, is her name really the realtor? He said, no, I can't remember her last name. I just know she's the realtor. It's like Tim Apple. Um, yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of maddening talking about this debate, though, even though it's, I mean, it's not for us, you know, but um, I do think that it's kind of another microcosm of like the only thing that we can see any change in is the tone. That's right. Which is this, it's, it's like the, it's like the presidential campaign, but you know, between the two debates, we saw the two different things and that was enough to give so many people a lot of calm, despite the fact, you know, of all these problems that we're facing. Yeah. It's just, you know, they're not yelling at each other and that's nice to hear. Yeah. Right. Well, there was a little bit of there was a little bit a little bit of the real Donald. I think the real Donald Trump or the Donald Trump I was expecting to see snuck out at one point when somehow this came something came up about uh, taking money from Wall Street. Here's listen to it. Trump jump jump on this. This is this is vintage Donald Trump. You're the one that takes all the money from Wall Street. I don't take it. I have. You, you have raised a lot of money, tremendous amounts of money. And every time you raise money, deals are made, Joe. I could raise so much more money as president and as somebody that knows most of those people. I could call the heads of Wall Street, the heads of every company in America. I would blow away every record, but I don't want to do that because it puts me in a bad position. And then you bring up Wall Street. You shouldn't be bringing up Wall Street because you're the one that takes the money from Wall Street, not me. I I could blow away your records. 
that, like, you wouldn't believe. We don't need money. We have plenty of money. In fact, <laughs> we beat Hillary Clinton with a tiny fraction of the money that she was able to All right, to gentlemen, we're going to move on. Don't tell me about average contribution, gonna... $43. All right. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's definitely one of the things that really worked in his favor for the 2016 election. Um, whether it's true or not, you know, this is playing to what people like about him, is that he's, you know, he he kind of presents himself as, as like this independent guy who has the means to do whatever he wants. Um, mm-hmm. and, Bob, what uh, do you think? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I mean, um, I was just going to say that uh, obviously like if you do have this uh, bigger kind of funding, you know, all this, this money coming in for the Biden campaign that plays into that too. You can just, you know, these people aren't really interested in, in you know the truth of who's funding or who's interested in the Trump campaign, who's interested in the Biden campaign, you know, it just it works in that favor. Yeah, um, yeah. So I thought that was one of the stronger things that Trump said in the debate, um, because it's not a direct accusation of something that you can really prove or disprove. You know, because I think. We're not going to prove or disprove anything in terms of the, the allegations that are being made against either of these guys in the public eye. I think the media has shown us that. Um, especially, I don't know if, I mean, around this, the the Hunter Biden stuff, I think um, the way that you've seen it ignored and, I mean, on Twitter, you get banned if you, uh, if you post the... Um, there are a couple like images from the the leak stuff, quote unquote leak stuff, uh, where you will just get suspended if you post it. Um, and just that being that way is kind of in Trump's favor yeah. because you know it's just if you don't know anything else and you look at that, it looks bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, these Twitter and Facebook and all these things. I mean, they're they're it's it's infuriating. It, but you know they are kind of in a between a rock and a hard place. I mean, they're, you don't really know. There's really not much. The FBI hasn't said anything. Twitter does not want a repeat of 2016. They don't want to be part of anything like that. I imagine. And so they're just you know they're trying to cut stuff off in the bud. Now this could be the this could be the, like the thread, the beginning. You pull on and pull on, pull on, and then everything unravels. And this is like a real story. Or it could just be baloney, and no, you know, people don't really know. the 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 intelligence experts say things like it has all the hallmarks of Russian misinformation, but you know, you, you, until you actually get your hands on things, and maybe even after you get your hands on things, it's hard to know. This is a this really. So I said, you know, the whole debate was a Rorschach test, but I'm listening to you guys. <laughs> My take on this was that Trump is embarrassed that he has not raised as much money as Biden. And this is a number, and and Biden's number looks bigger than Trump's. And so Trump can either say, that's not, you know, you're inflating your, you're not, that's not the real numbers, or he's not going to say we've deflated ours because that would be, I mean, that would be illegal with the FEC. And so the only other alternative is I didn't want to. I'm not playing this game. Exactly. So I saw it as I saw it as as his you know his his need to be dominating on in every you know in every metric. I didn't think about the rest of it. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that, and I think it worked out for him last time. Is you know he was outspent for sure um, in 2016, and uh, you know it was the same. Win. It was the same uh, strategy there. Is well, that's because they have foreign powers, you know, like influencing them. I can't be influenced, you know this this kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. He gets a lot of earned media. I mean, he's super entertaining, as Bobby said many times, and that gets him that gives him free coverage. Okay, here's here's a quote from Biden. I'd like to hear what you think about this. I just pulled two from the debate. Here we go. I made it clear that any country, no matter who it is, that interferes in American elections will pay a price. They will pay a price. And it's been overwhelmingly clear this election, I won't even get into the last one, this election, that Russia has been involved, China has been involved to some degree, and now we learn that, that, uh, that uh, Iran is involved. They will pay a price if I'm elected. They're interfering with American sovereignty. That's what's going on right now. They're interfering with American sovereignty. Thoughts? Well, I think we should obviously expect this every election. We're the most, you know, influential kind of country. We have a lot of power and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reason to be interested in who's president here. So I don't think we should be shocked that foreign powers are trying to influence the election. And, um, you know, I think given the context here, there's just, there's been a major kind of push to, um, I guess, uh, attribute um, Trump's success and, uh, and failings of Democratic uh, candidates to um, election interference, which, you know, that might be true to an extent, but we see that used so much. And we see, we've seen this over the past few weeks, um, increasing kind of things. Oh, they're Ukraine's Iran, China, everyone's trying to um, influence the election. So, Given how things went um, after and kind of during the 2016 election, it's hard to take this at face value um, as as such a big deal as they uh, purport it to be or suggest it is. Yeah, I think the way that the the thing that is sort of distressing to me about this is how it's talked about uh, because. I mean, in 2016, the, the, the electoral sort of fiddling around or whatever you want to call it, like the, the interference uh, seems to have been limited to campaigning type stuff where it's like memes, it's, you know, like fake press releases, that kind of stuff. Um, that's, it's, it's not like we're getting, you know, I, I don't think I've ever seen any evidence of actually tampering with our voting system or anything like that. It's all been about propaganda sort of operations, which I mean, yeah, like Billy said, we have to expect that and we do the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, this is, I think part and parcel of being in a globalized environment. Like if you have globalized communication networks, People from other countries are going to communicate with us and they're going to make it hard for us to tell that it's someone that's not in the country. And it just kind of speaks to the weakness of our 
to me, it speaks to the weakness of our sort of uh, policies and elected officials that, like, we can't counter this really in any way that seems, I don't know, up to the task. And and the way that Joe Biden talks about it is, you know, oh, well, we're going to get back at these countries. And I don't think most of the people in this country want that. I, I Honestly, I think there's some people who want to hear a politician talk about it. But like, what did they really want us to do with regards to Russia or China putting memes on Facebook or something? Yeah, tough to know, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. We should, we should be, I mean, you know, you could talk about sort of cyber defense. That's one thing. But saying, oh, these guys are going to pay a price. Right. Like, I mean, to me, that just sounds like you know, more of the same kind of raising stakes where to me, it's pretty clear that like, if we were to get in any sort of more open con, even a cold war type situation with these countries, I don't think we would fare that well. I don't yeah. know how you do it. I mean, I, I agree with you. It seemed like puffery to me, which is why I pulled it. I mean, I pulled it, I pulled that quote for two reasons. It seemed like, like, you know, drawing a line in the sand, but not saying what was going to happen. Cause you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I suppose if it's, you know, if you can really figure out that it's, you know, coming down from Putin, it's organized, it's, you know, then you could start, I guess you could, I mean, we've already tightened the screws on a lot of these guys financially. So maybe there is something you could do, but, you know, this is more about people's con- information consumption habits. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. um, in part. And the other part is, you know, what you guys touched on. This is, this is not new and it's not new for the United States. It's a little bit hypocritical for, for us, for Biden to be saying, you know, sovereign, screaming about sco- sovereignty when we, yeah, yeah. you know, we poke around in Bolivia and you know, all, not Bolivia, <laughs> yeah. you know, all kinds of places. I just thought of that. I mean, that's the most, probably the most recent. Yeah. The most, yeah. Yeah. And obvious. obvious yeah. Or obvious. Right. And then there's all kinds of stuff that's done under the radar. So, all right. Any other thoughts about the, about the debate? Uh, change, just on change the, anybody's opinion, strengthen no, the positions no. of the people who are there, probably made the Republicans a little more confident, probably made the, the Democrats a little more confident in who they're voting for. Right. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. If anything, maybe we can say, maybe it emboldened some of the, the stuff with uh, Coney Barrett, you know? How so? Well, just if uh, if people are, I think the vulnerable Republican senators mm. um, have been watching everything, basically. I got and it. Murkowski just said that she's going to vote yes. Yeah, I saw so, that. You know, I that's, see what you mean. I, obviously, I think she probably would have done that either way. Yeah. Because it's not like there's a whole lot of pressure there right now. And the hearings actually made you know Democrats like her more. I don't know if you yeah. saw that. Yeah. She's uh, just got, I mean, she's got a little bit of a weird background in terms of the religious thing, but that's cool. I mean, we, you know, like all of the religious stuff can be, it's pretty weird, you know, if you look at it from a certain angle, depending on where you're coming from. Right. So it's well, yeah. just this, it's just this, <laughs> it's, it's, it's this literalist, you know, not a lot of bending. Um, which could undo a ton of stuff that the so-called active justices have accomplished since, you know, the 30s, basically. Could all come unraveled. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it it seems to me like a, like a pretty big lapse in judgment if people are just looking at that hearing and saying, oh, well, she seemed competent, which seems to be, I mean, it seems like the Democrats want people to think that these institutions are not political. And that leads people to make these judgments that are not political, like, oh, well, she seems competent, that end up having massive political repercussions. I think the Democrats, that's off the top of my head, I think the Democrats are worried about going after her because she is a 40-something-year-old mom of a bunch of kids, and she probably admired for, you know, for good reason, among a lot of the women that they're counting on to defeat Trump. So I don't think I don't think there's any way to really go after her. I think they might be nervous. They might feel like they're a little bit on thin ice there. She's definitely got those advantages for sure. Um, you know, you you talked about the, the uh, Supreme Court being like you know they uh, are portrayed as like non-political kind of positions, and uh, you know it, it really is something that we should approach very soon is term limits and and stuff like that for the Supreme court, because it's absolutely unavoidable that these are, you know, political people, you know, this, uh, the idea of term, you know, no term limits or lifetime positions was to kind of avoid this kind of campaigning and, you know, making decisions for political reasons that would be good for the campaign. But I think it's pretty naive to think that this isn't happening already. No, for sure it's happening. I think what I, in my head, and Bobby, you can like give me a sanity check here, and you too, Bill. But in in my head, it seems as though, um, you know, you have you have basically what's happening now is there's this discussion about, you know, how would you rule on this? How would you rule on that? And she was basically saying, I'm not going to tell, tell you, uh, you know, much at all, but it's clear from her record and from what she's written that she is an originalist, that she is a, you know, stick to the text. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's what the text says, which is a certain kind of fundamentalism around the constitution. Right. I mean, it's just like what's what's there is what's there. You don't try to figure out what they meant when they wrote it. They wrote it. And that's what it means. And other justices are like, no, you try to figure out the spirit. You try to figure out the values. You try to figure out, you know, the nature of how things were being balanced. Yeah. And then you and then you transport it into the present and figure out what that means for the issue at hand. Right. That's how that's how couples (laughs) were given the right to use, married couples were given the right to use contraception, which was not legal in many states before that, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, like that's a right to privacy. And, you know, there's no right to privacy in the Constitution. It's this, you know, it's sort of you see it because, you know, you can't, there's, you, you can't have, people can't come to your, you know, search your house without a warrant, for example. And you can't put up soldiers in your house without permission. Mm-hmm. So, there's, so th- those are the two sort of poles, I think, of the judiciary and the and the, these the parties, as close as they are at a lot of things, have sort of you know migrated. The Republicans are clearly pro business. They don't want government getting in the way of business. And there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing written in the 1700s that were you know that that really <laughs> foresaw yeah, companies yeah. like Google. You know, yeah. or Amazon, 
or whatever. And so there's nothing written there because they were, who was going to, you know, who thought there would ever be something like that. Um, so, yeah. so I think what happens is the Democrats fall clearly, I mean, historically, although it's not really true because there were some Republican appointed judges that advanced things like the civil rights act and, you know, or, or, you know, uh, ad, uh, advantaged civil rights, for example. But I think now it seems pretty clear that the Democrats are more along the lines of activist judges and the Republicans are more along the lines of, you know, or, originalist right. judges. You can see it if you just talk to anybody, I mean, anybody. And I, it's not, I don't think this, you know, I don't think it's accidental that people treat the Bible in different ways. I mean, the conservative people treat it as like, this is the literal word of God and you, you don't, you don't mess around with it. And other people say, well, you know, really this, this whole thing is, the basic story is that people are imperfect. They're in need of God's love. God loves them and he calls them to love each other and to look past their flaws. Right. I mean, that's like two different views of the Bible. And it's, I think that there may be like circuitry in your brain that treats the constitution and the Bible the same way. You know, you either treat it as a living document, your faith is living and the, and the, and you know, the law is living or it's just, you know, it's handed down and it's carved into stone. Yeah, I mean, it's it's treated as the ultimate kind of authority in a way that is, you know, sacred, definitely. Um, just so many people point to it as, you know, it, they might as well be thumping the Bible. Yeah. So I guess to tie it back, I guess what I was saying is that you don't really even need to talk about politics. You can just talk about how you view, you know, being a Supreme Court justice. Do you view it as, you know, something where it's just like you, you, it, the constitution is written down, the words are written there and you try to figure out how, you know, how does that apply to laws that have been, have been written or not written and you just apply it, you know, your values are irrelevant or do you say, you know, this is more of a living, breathing thing and, and we need to, you know, sort of keep it living for it to be relevant and useful. And by doing that, you pretty much cleave these justices to the left and the right. Yeah. I just, I don't know how the originalist kind of stuff and amendments gel. Like, I don't know how those are compatible. Well, yeah. you, just, you would, I mean, that would be like the old Testament and the new Testament, right? There are some things that have become, have been superseded, right? So, so, so you could, you could still be yeah. a literalist. You could still be a I don't, fundamentalist. Yeah. I don't know her her positions or really many originalist positions on a lot of these things. I don't know much about uh, Supreme Court history at large, but um, in terms of like their positions and, and who's been very strictly, I know Scalia was very um, uh, originalist. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting how those would they it's very interesting because it is a new it's basically invalidation of this in, in originalist kind of position where it's like this doesn't work we agree you know in this majority that this needs to be updated because the spirit of this is clearly you know this way or whatever um you'd never hear that from from Barrett's mouth, I think. Yeah. 
it's I guess it's concerning that there are people like that, you know, in these positions of judgment where I don't know. Yeah, it's just I don't know how they would uh, rule on things kind of related to those if I don't know. It's confusing. Yeah. Yeah, especially if they say, well, I I won't tell you. Um, Yeah. I just think that it's 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 kind of wishful thinking that it seems to me is how a lot of these things are treated where you know we just all want to believe that if you put someone smart in a position of power they'll do things that are smart that you, that you think are smart and you know it's just it seems like the I mean from 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 my perspective I don't know very much about you know, law, but the way that this stuff gets massaged and and talked about at these highest levels really seems like it's so removed from normal legal conversation that it, it, like I say, it seems to me like it's a total illusion that any of this is anything other than political and applying just a personal belief to, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I guess you can you can kind of explain it under one of those explanations. But yeah. Like you know what I mean if you if you just say well everything is super vague because it's it's written 300 years ago and or I guess 250 years ago. Yeah. And uh we can only apply it to exactly the text that basically just means that you are applying your own belief system to anything that crosses your table. Right. Yeah, just Count on my son to be the jaded one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just right. saying. I, be yeah, jaded I think, in an environment like this. No, you might I be right. That's, I think that's that's what that essentially means. Is that I can apply my morality to it, and you know, I wouldn't even say this is completely, you know, exclusive to the right. Yeah, but I think I think it's it's something that people want to believe is that these guys are doing this legalistic interpretation. Whereas I think what's really happening is that both of them are kind of approaching these things from a political place because they're, they are political actors and mostly applying a morality that is internal to something that's vague enough that you can pretty much say whatever you want. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, in, in, Go ahead. Okay. You've got to think that, you know, these people who are professional judges and, you know, especially at like the highest level, you know, they do kind of see themselves as I'm the one to kind of judge this situation. So kind of like Bobby's saying in these instances where it's vague or there's, there's missing kind of detail, or instruction on things, you know, I think it's, it's definitely reasonable to assume these people are like, well, I'm in a position of judgment. People trust my judgment. And you know, this is what my duty is. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's in ethics there, there's all kinds of ways of like, you know, going after that, but there are two main camps or, you know, approaches. One is the deontology approach, which is basically that there are these rules 
right? And the rules are correct. And you follow the rules, and it doesn't really matter what the outcome is. You know, it's just either something is, it's either right or it's wrong. And you might, you know, the context might matter and you might, you know, so sometimes if you, if you take the life of somebody else, sometimes it's, kill, you know, murder and sometimes it's killing. So self-defense might, you know, so there's that kind of stuff, but it is rules. I mean, they're just rules. And then there, the other big camp are the utilitarians, which is, you know, what you really, you're trying to make the world a better place and, and whatever ethical decision you make should balance the harms and the benefits of your actions. And there's hair on either one of those, right? Those, those situations that you can come up with in which the rule followers will do something really bad or the utilitarians will do something really bad. Those are the, those are the two camps. And I can tell you that my inclination, like my, the, the constitution of who I am, probably the way probably does have something to do with my genes or my wiring, maybe my upbringing, but probably as much anything is just this, this, this desire to find order, you know, mm -hmm. makes me more of a rule follower. But as I've gotten older, I'm just impatient. You know, I'm, I'm way more interested in outcomes than I am by the rules. And I understand that, you know, power can lead to outcomes that are really horrific. You know, you know the, the bigger the power, then, you know, you could really screw things up. But I'm not so attracted to wooden literalism. Um, I'm not so attracted to the idea that the Bible is inerrant and, and has to be followed word for word. You know, I don't think I, that's not the vibe I got. I get when I read what Jesus said or what it report, Jesus reportedly said. You know, there's just not a lot, a lot of time spent on who can get married. Yeah. You know, it's more. It's really more about don't, if you've got power, don't be a don't be a dick. Don't you know? And don't be a hypocrite. And um, love your neighbor. And by the way, your neighbor is anybody, especially the people that don't look like you at all. You know, who are totally different than you. That seems to be like the bulk of what he was getting upset about and passionate about. So I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not telling people what to believe. I'm just, I'm saying that as I've gotten older, I've really walked away from this, you know, sort of the world works on rules and instead be, I'm trying to figure out like, how can we, like, how can things be better? I mean, better in my little life and then better in, you know, the world around me. This got very yeah. serious. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, it, well, it's, no a, it's, it's interesting. And I think it also kind of links to, I mean, it is, I think it's true what you're saying that there's, these are two sort of opposing worldviews and, and you can apply them to Jesus as well. You could say that, that it was like his mission was basically to reinforce the rule of like, or update and reinforce the rule of, of heaven or whatever, uh, in terms of like, these are the rules. Yeah. And, and that's why I was here. Or you can say, well, we, you know, we looked at these rules and they weren't working in terms of the outcomes that we wanted. And so, you know, Jesus coming to earth was an expression of an out, I mean, basically improving outcomes for humans. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, this whole episode is about a Rorschach test. It's like what you, you know, yeah. what you see says so much about who you are rather than what's actually out there. Right. That's where I am. As you described it, it's more like, you know, people with power um, tend to tend to 
really stick it to the people who are on the margins. I mean, they stick it to everybody. The people who it really hurts are the people on the margins. And so, you know, in my mind, Jesus came to like shake all that stuff up and hang out with, with, you know, tax collectors and sinners and all the wrong people and women, you know, nobody was hanging around with women then. And his, you know, his ministry was like funded by a woman. He was like completely off the hook. I mean, he was like bad news. So to me, he's like this, you know, kick-ass <laughs> rabble rouser. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's where I am, I guess. I guess I'm like tired of all this. I just, you know, like, like what in the heck are we doing? You know, I don't know. But it's, I, I think that speaks to, uh, I don't know, it's because if you look at it, like the only way that that really makes sense that you can then even say that's the start of of this kind of thing is, if you really think that, I mean, if you believe those were real events, then you could say, okay, well, here's kind of the origin of this stuff. But it's, I, you know, it's like, it seems to me like most things that we do that are collective or even just actions that you take in the world are an expression in terms of, unless it's like seeking your own pleasure, it's expressing your own power and expressing your own values. Man, I really want to uh, kind of learn more about when and where the uh, Old and New Testament were written because the, this kind of uh, comparison to uh, the Constitution in that, you know, traditionalist versus, you know, viewing it in a, in a present context, it really makes me wonder, you know, the, the circumstances people felt or found themselves in um, – you know, in, in the new Testament, that might've been a a bigger kind of, um, cultural feeling is that there's got to be more slack. There's got to be more forgiveness. I don't know. Um, I think it's worth, I think it's worth looking at. I mean, I think the last time I looked was like 30 years ago, so I could be completely, you know, wet about this, but I think that, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of doubt about the reality of somebody named Jesus from Nazareth who was a itinerant sort of rabbi teacher and, you know, was kind of, was a radical in his, in his teachings. You could, you know, the rest of it is embellished or lied about or whatever, probably, or, you know, or, you know, like the old Testament is this mishmash of history and storytelling but not for the sake of just telling a story for, you know, the, the sake of answering a question, like, who are we? Why are we here? Is this all just an accident or, you know, what happened? You know, why, why is it that we can, we can conceive, like we can conceive of perfection, but we can't be perfect. How, how is it that we can see the notion of right and wrong, but do the wrong thing sometimes? I mean, those are really tricky questions. So, there's sort of like the truth value, like the literal truth value. And then there's the truth value in terms of what is the, like, is the message edifying? Does the message leave you someplace better off? But I think that's worth looking at. I mean, I don't really, I'm just, I'm grasping at this connection between the, you know, how you interpret the constitution with the amendments and how you interpret the Bible. A lot of the stuff that, a lot of the stuff that the conservatives use to go after social issues like, you know, homosexuality and, gay marriage and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. None of that 
is reported, if I can remember correctly, none of that's reported as coming out of Jesus' mouth. It's like stuff that was sent by men to other men, you know, men in power. In the early church, letters written about how you should behave and you know, how husbands should treat their wives and wives should treat their husbands. And there wasn't, I don't think there was much of that coming out, of, reported coming out of Jesus. So it probably, I mean, if Jesus had said it, they would have really like amped it up. Yeah. So... Wow, well, like we're like <laughs> we've been at this for a while. Let's switch. Let's switch gears and do something fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bobby, we were supposed to we were supposed to like um, handicap what was going to happen in the election, but maybe we'll do that on Tuesday. All right. I mean, I'm I'm cool. I got time. So whatever you want to do, though. Well, let's do it real quick. Who's going to win? Oh man. Well, I think it's probably Biden. Um. Let me pull up my real clear politics here really quick. See what Billy, the Billy have any thoughts while he's pulling up his RCP? Yeah. Um, you know, I was more confident that Trump would win before he got COVID. Mm-hmm. I think that is probably a major thing, even though, you know, he's bounced back and it, you know, if you'd missed that week, or whatever, you might not even know that guy had gotten COVID because he got such crazy treatment. Um, he has he has God tier genes, is what. <laughs> right, right, right. He's immune for life or whatever. Um, so uh, I don't know. Um, I'm feeling a lot more mixed about it now. I think that Biden has a good chance of winning. Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I'm feeling very similar to how I was feeling like the week before the 2016 election where I was like, that's that's what makes everybody nervous. That's what's, that's what's making people nervous in our household right now. Yeah. Cause I thought then, you know, I think people will probably go with Clinton because she seems more, you know, sure, more kind of safer. Normal, yeah, safe is a good way to put it. Um, and I think this debate, this last debate, was a really good kind of opportunity for them both to kind of do that, is to seem safe, to seem professional, to seem in control and calm and whatever. So we'll see. Okay. Um, Bobby? Yeah. Okay, so I've had a little time to look here. Um, we are a little bit... I mean, Biden's in a slightly worse off position than he was when we last talked. But, um, I mean, he's he's doing considerably better than Hillary did in the national polls leading up to this point. That's right. Right now, he's over five points up on what Hillary was. Um, so he's up eight points on national polling. Uh Right, and you're that gonna... makes it a lot less likely to, in my eyes, that that the same thing will happen. If it, you know, like we talked about last time, let's say there's a three percent discrepancy. Right, that's still enough that you know it would be a very you'd, you'd have to see a massive discrepancy between that and state polling to make up for an electoral deficit. Yeah, I think you're right there. So, so silver, Nate Silver at five thirty eight says there's basically, you know, 
it basically right now they've got like 80, I don't know, like 85% chance, Biden 15% chance, Trump, something like that. Uh, and he says basically the way that Trump wins, that 14%, the way to explain that is there's a polling error, a systemic polling error of, you know, like 3% or something like that. And the polls tighten by another 3%. And then all of a sudden you're really darn close. And yeah. And uh, Trump gets squeaked through. Okay, so here's my prediction. Okay, I think to I think Biden gets to 252 electoral votes without a lot of trouble. So I looked at you know the states and the polling and and stacked them all up. So you get to 252. Mm -hmm. So that needs 18 more to get to 270. So at that point, he either needs uh, Pennsylvania, which has got 20 electoral votes, Florida, which I think also has 20, or he needs Arizona, Nevada, and Maine, which puts him I think right at 18. Okay, so. That's pretty good. So, but here's so here's the thing, but barring some kind of weird like shenanigans in in Pennsylvania, so Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, where it's a lot where there are a lot of Democrats, you know, he could you could stir up some kind of problem. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that could happen, right? So you could stir up tr trouble and then call in the military or call in the National Guard or something like that, and then and then claim that the 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 Pennsylvania results are spoiled and then the legislature gets to decide who the electoral votes go to. Right. I mean, there's all this weird stuff. It's not, <laughs> the constitution doesn't say that it has to follow the, the um, popular vote, although the, the state laws do, but they don't really say what happens if you think that there's been, you know, it's been dis disturbed basically. So barring that, I'm just going to say, let's forget about that. I think that he's going to make. So I think I think I think that uh, Biden will get over the line either with Pennsylvania and then I, with Pennsylvania, and then I think he has a shot at Arizona and Nevada, maybe. So, but I don't think Florida, or not Texas. Um, so I'm going to say Biden gets 290. That's my that's my get. I'm, see, I'm going to give some like I'm giving hard numbers now. I'm going to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to say 290 with an asterisk about. I mean, Pennsylvania being spoiled. And in the popular vote, I'm going to say, I'm going to like sh shave off that 3% or 4%, you know, that they're like, I'm going to say there's a systematic bias against, against uh, Trump. But I'm going to say Biden 51%, Trump 48%, and then the other 2% go to the rest of the, they get the, the Trump, the crumbs on the table, go to the Green Party and all the rest, libertarians, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Write it down. 290 and 51 to 47. Okay. 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 All right. That's All right. that's like 10 days out. I mean. That, I mean, that's pretty good, though. That's not far from what I was going to say. Okay. Well, then good. Um, We're on the same page. Yeah. I think I think Florida would be, you know, he. I think Biden could do it. But, you know, just the. I don't know. I wouldn't count on it. That's for sure. It could happen. I mean, he's leading slightly in Florida, right? Biden's leading slightly in Florida in the polls. He is. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that stuff is, you know, hard to say. And just looking at the priors there, I would probably say Florida would go right. to Trump. I, I um, mean, I guess it wouldn't be surprising if Biden won, but he's not leading by by something much bigger than the margin of error. Yeah, and or and three, also say three percent. I'm not sure that's the margin of error, but the last thing I heard was that Democrats were doing great in mail-in, and then 
Republicans actually made up quite a bit of ground in early voting in Florida. Interesting. Um, and I think that plays into the larger narrative of COVID, you know, how do yeah. people vote under COVID? Right. Right. Do it in person, be a man and do it in person. Or, hide or in your, I just hide don't trust, I just don't trust mail-in voting. So I'm going to do it in person. Yeah. Yeah. That too. Okay. Here we go. It's the game time. You guys ready? Sure. Oh yeah. This is the segment we call, Mmm, that tastes a little gamey. Okay. Where's we the have, jingle? <laughs> okay, we got uh, one, two, three, four, five. We got five. We got five categories. Okay, frame that tomb, which is the Venn diagram of music and current events. I'm up. I play something and then ask you to answer a question about it relative to current events. You don't call. You don't write. Where there, I'm going to ask you some questions about something that's missing. That sounds very vague. So the explanation is missing in this case. Her suit is too tight. Your suit as in like facial hair. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question about facial hair because Bobby and I are always talking about that. Innocent until proven guilty pleasures. I'm going to ask you something about pop culture and, you know, stuff that's kind of low to low to what did you say? Midbrow, Bob? Yeah, between low and midbrow. I think. Between low and midbrow. I'm going to go low or but even below mid, below lowbrow. <laughs> <laughs> Be pretty low. It's and like it's, lower middle class. Right. And then <laughs> it's like we would see out know, trailer stuff. Okay. Uh, and then science friction, which will be something, it'll be either science or science fiction or something related to that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. Billy, you pick, you're the guest, you're the, the, the first guest. You're the third man. You're the youngest. You pick the category. Frame that tune. You don't call. You don't write. Here, suit is too tight, innocent until proven guilty pleasures, science friction. Let's go frame that tune. Okay, we're going to do frame that tune. Now, I think it's totally illegal for us to use this music, but um, we'll see what happens. So the music that I've used is karaoke versions of these songs. <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the hopes that somebody who yeah, yeah. to us is, is like... You know, it's there'd that, be somebody. It's that, okay. You know, that uh, Firefly guy that you see on the... The <laughs> that's He's the guy. Come after us. Yeah. Right. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to play a song, and I want you to tell me who who wrote, sang it, you know, performed it, and uh, and that's all you have to do. A bonus point. What does it have to do with recent events? Here you go. You ready? This this is for you, Billy, and then Bobby. You'll get the next one. Yeah. Let's do it. Here we go. 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 All right. It's super. It's your birthday. It's super. You ready? Yes. It's super. I can turn it off. Yeah. Okay. Who is that? All right. It's Fifty Cent in the club, but trying to think of current events here. Um. Let's see whose birthday is <laughs> Justin. Don't pull, don't, pull, um, don't try to don't use Google now. No, I'm not. Either. I'm not. Or I'm any to other. Rack my brain here. That's the old. You know. Um, Do you want a man, hint? Man, you're really given. That's very limited in, in you what you could relate it to. Sure. Okay. The hint is, he said it would make him twenty cent instead of fifty. Oh. Jump in, Bob, if you want to. No, did I'm, you not I'm, hear I'm, that? So, 
50 Cent actually said he's oh, endorsing right. Trump. Okay, because okay, of Biden's well, sure. Tax All right. I didn't realize you could just do like what the, you know, artist has recently said. Well, it's, it's just <laughs> okay. related. All right. Okay, okay. All right. Billy gets a point and Bobby gets a point. You each have a point. <laughs> there you go. Okay. All right. At the end of this, you'll have points, and that's all you'll have. There are no <laughs> Okay. Here you go, Bob. Here's yours. This is. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna play the song. You don't have to name the artist. This is gonna be tough. All right. I give you. I give you two points if you get this. The art. You don't have to name the artist. Just. Just explain why I'm playing this song. Well, I know the artist. Do you really? Yeah, of course. This is uh, CCR. Good. Uh, now, I don't know why you're playing Favorite Son. Um, are you trying to tell one of us something? Fortunate Son. Favorite, fortunate Son. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, are you trying to tell one of us something? No. Um, well, I guess... I guess Trump's a pretty fortunate son. Uh, now you get close. So is Hunter Biden. So is Hunter Biden. There. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, the only association I usually have with this is uh, Vietnam movies. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm stumped on that, but why you're playing this. Okay. <laughs> All right. The writer of the song is John Fogarty, but you're right about the. I think you're right. What did you say? Clearance or Creedence Clearwater Creedence Revival. Clearwater Revival. Yeah, CCR. Good. He he objected because Trump has been playing that at his campaign rallies. Ah, uh, okay. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, um, I you, did actually read that. Okay. I think you guys. What do you have now? You each have some points. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two to one, I think. Okay, Bobby. Two oh, no, to no, one. No. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, your, p- your pick now, Bob. You don't call, you don't write. Your suit is too tight. Innocent until proven guilty pleasures. Science friction. Let's go to science friction. Science friction it is. Okay, Starlink is a constellation of satellites designed to provide fast internet service anywhere on the globe. It's currently owned by SpaceX. Elon Musk. The satellites are currently launched in batches of 60, with launches happening as often as every two weeks. The eventual goal is to achieve a network of 12,000 satellites. How many Starlink satellites have been launched to date within 10 in either direction? Oh, that's tough. I was literally just reading about this. Um, let me see. So I don't think they've always been 60 per. Um, so I think the first few only had like four or five. Could be. I don't know. Maybe uh, I know, yeah. but I'm not saying. I would say let's – You're going to work your could, way through this, huh? Well, No, I'm not going to be able to do that because, I mean, if I thought there were 60 each time, I would say I think there's been eight missions, uh, maybe nine but yeah, I think there's probably like 400, 450 okay. right now. Okay. 10 in either direction. So you want to pick four, 400 or 450? Let's just say 440. 
Okay, 440. So that the answer has to be between 430 and 450. Mm-hmm. The answer is 895. Oh my God. Oh, I should, I, you know, I, should give the, I should give the other person a chance to guess, but next time we'll do that. Okay, well, I would have been wrong. Here's your science friction question. 895 seems like a lot, doesn't it? But they got to get to 12,000. They're doing it 60 at a time. It's going to take a lot of, a lot of launches, yeah. which is great because I still love watching those things land. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. <laughs> the booster when it comes back down. It's like science, it's like science friction. Hey. Okay, here you go, Bill. Here's yours. Star Trek was originally aired on NBC, starring William Shatner as Captain James T. Kirk and Leonard Nimoy as First Officer Spock. It only lasted three seasons, but spawned multiple movies and spinoffs. Within one year, either way, in what year did the series debut? Um, let's see. Within one year? Mm-hmm. 1967. Boom, you got it. 1966. Wow. Nice. That's I, impressive. That's awesome. Okay. I was going to say 65. Okay. Well, you, okay. That's good. Now it's two, it's tied two to two. Okay. Two categories left. Billy, this is your pick. Her suit is too tight or innocent until proven guilty pleasures. Um, your suit is too tight. Your suit is too tight. Okay. Here we go. According to a 2012 study from New Zealand, this is going to, you'll each have a chance here because this is basically a true false. You have like one of two choices, okay? According to a 2012 study from New Zealand on average, which do women find more attractive, men with stubble or men with a full beard? What year did you say the study was? 2012. Okay. Um, hmm. 2012. That really does That's a tough things. one. That's a tough year. Ah, uh, man. I'm going to not second-guess myself and say stubble. Stubble is correct. All Good right. Good job. Three to two, Billy. Bob, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. In the spring of 2015, both Sam Elliott and Tom Selleck were inaugural inductees into the International Mustache Hall of Fame. At the time, was the International Mustache Hall of Fame located in Philadelphia or in Pittsburgh? <laughs> uh, man, that is so tough. I'm going to say Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's correct. Hey. Tied three apiece. Okay. We're down to the last category. The category is innocent until proven guilty pleasures. I think this one is yours, Bob, right? You go first? Sure, yeah. Didn't you go? Who went first last time? Billy did, right? Okay. Billy, yeah. Okay. Here's, an, here's another one. If So this is going to be the final pickup. If you get it correct, Bobby, you get two points. Billy, if you get yours correct, you get two points. If the person misses it, somebody can, the other person can jump in and answer for two points, okay? Gotcha. Three to three. We're all tied up. Here we go. <clears throat> can you hear the drum roll in the background? I can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I, I trust you're going to add that in post. Yeah, okay. Of Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, is this really only the fifth entry in the Pirates film franchise? It feels like the 50th, except for Javier Bardem, who brings a dollop of fresh mischief to this paycheck party. Dead Men has all the flavor of rotting leftovers. Wow. Within $100 million either way, what was the worldwide gross of this installment of Pirates of the Caribbean? 
Do you know what year this was? Hmm. I can look real quick. Okay. I just don't want to, I don't want to spoil myself and try to find the year and then find the total. Pirates of the Caribbean order. Let me just see here. And I wonder if four five dead men, dead men tell no tales, 2017. 2017. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're talking worldwide gross. Worldwide gross. And you got a hundred million dollars slack either way. Let's say I'm going to say 820 million. Boy, 807 million. That's two points wow. for Bobby. Very nice. Okay, Bill, it's make or break time. You ready? Sure. UK-based ticket company TickX analyzed the top 100, sorry, the top 1000 Spotify playlists with the phrase guilty pleasure in the title and from that constructed the top 100 songs. The Korean band K-pop had the most songs on the top 100 list. Within four songs either way, how many songs did K-pop have on the list? This I'm not is sure that's a band. <laughs> is that, are you sure that's not a genre? No, no. Oh, no, I think it's a band. Hold on. That's going to be problematic, isn't it? Yeah, is it BTS? Yeah, no, BTS you, is the big K-pop band. Oh, well, this is this totally spoiled. Oh, it's well, a genre. Right, well, I, can still, I can still guess. K-pop was a South Korean boy band that debuted in 2001. They disbanded well, in 2004, so I don't think that, it's K-pop. I mean, it I could be. The genre. It could be. Guilty, guilty pleasure from 2001. Wait a minute now. Are you it's saying it's not, a, it's not a band? It's a genre? <laughs> yes. Uh, K-pop is a genre. It's Korean yeah. pop music. Yeah. Boy, am I... Uh, color me embarrassed. You could just say that it's, you know, how many of that genre, other than like, rather than... How many of the artists? Okay. Well, that's what... It, you're going to have to guess a number. Yeah, yeah. So this is out of a thousand? <laughs> it, out of, no, out of... A, no, it's out of a hundred. Okay. There's okay. a thousand. They took the top 1,000 playlist oh, right. that had the phrase gotcha. guilty pleasure in the title. And then th from that, they constructed the top 100 songs. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I get I'm it now. Korean it's pop. genre. Yeah. But... <laughs> Okay, and this was this year that this was taken. Um, I see. Oh, stand by. I think it is this year. Hold on, but let me check. UK uh, tick tick X guilty pleasures. So the UK too. Okay. Uh, ultimate guilty pleasure list. This was in. Oh my gosh, I can't even look at this list. Uh, let's say it's this year. Maybe it's last year. It's okay, but it's like, yeah, okay. Um, and how many out of that 100 are K-pop? Yeah, so you know, interesting. Whatever. We can do, yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, the top guilty pleasure genres were K-pop, dance pop, Latin, boy band, and pop. K-pop okay. is at the top of the genres and bts is at the top of the artists but the question is of the 100 how many are in the k-pop genre within you know plus or minus four plus or minus four um i'm gonna go 
19. Hmm, it's 29. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. 9 out of 100. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Okay. So that goes to Bobby. Bobby 5-3 in the inaugural game of the inaugural session of mm, that tastes a little gamey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll have to, yeah, we can we can put one of those in too, maybe. <laughs> change the, yeah, just put a bunch of those with changed pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. Not not get a, an applause <laughs> sound. All right. <laughs> okay, guys. Those were hard, man. Yeah, they were hard. Yeah, that was they? fun. That's, I spent more time working on that than I did thinking about <laughs> who's going to win the election. <laughs> that was good. That was good format. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll do it again. Maybe we do it every Sunday. We can have the game show. That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds fun. I mean, if it's if, if you have the time to be researching these questions. Exactly, week. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if I don't, then we'll have fewer categories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah or, or I can come up with questions that are really, really hard for you to answer. Oh, that would yeah, be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of switch off who's the, yeah. the host or whatever. Well, thanks for jumping in, Bill. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. That's good. What are you guys, what are you guys doing today? Probably going to just chill out, watch some stuff. Yeah, I, I've got a, I got a, a set of drawers that I need to put together. That's, that's the only thing I've got. Wow. Do you have all the equipment you need for that? Oh yeah. 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 Good. It's uh, I've actually been, this has been like, this is a birthday present. So I've been sitting on it for a while. It was just over at Danica's. And so I just got it. Oh, uh, nice. Back to the apartment. Sweet. Good. Well, don't overdo it. Stay masked. Keep distanced. Absolutely. Be careful. You, you do the same. Yeah. We're we're fine. I live with an epidemiologist. You know, <laughs> That's right. Somebody used to work at the CDC and has a PhD in epidemiology. I can tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, careful. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We're good. We're okay. I live on a farm, and you know, we we're we're doing for super duper fortunate. So we no complaints here. Good. Good stuff. Okay, you guys. I love you. All uh, right. Love you. Love you. I'm super proud of both of you. Thanks for carving out time to talk to me. I always, it's the best part of my week. Absolutely. It was really fun. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. All right. You guys take care. All right. All right. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Okay. Yeah, talk to you soon. All right. Bye, guys.